1: Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle
2: required. A warm up for Lilo. Welcome to Love Las Vegas for Coast Coats. with myself, Greg Shearson, now a part of the Easton family and podcast and We've got a tremendous podcast for you as it is the Horizon League Preview Edition, one of my favorite conferences as it involves a pair of teams from the great state of Wisconsin. We did wind up seeing a little bit of a drop off with this year's conference with Illinois and Chicago departing, but not too big of a loss in my opinion, but I think that's going to be a fun conference, one in which year in and year out, we don't see a lot of defense played in this conference, which makes it all the better. In the second segment, we're going to be joined by Blake Lovell. He does the Horizon League Conference Preview every year for Blue Ribbon. On top of that, you've seen him over there at Southeastern 14, the Marching to Madness podcast, Locked On, SEC podcast, list goes on and on. Guy does amazing work in college basketball. We're going to be looking at all the rosters, all the movement in terms of a few coaching changes as well with this conference. In segment number two, as I always do with regards to these conference previews in the first segment, I'm going to take a look at the betting trends and take a look at just the styles of play of the Horizon League. And then in the final segment, going to give you guys my projector or finish for this conference. If you've got any questions, comments, segment ideas, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we'll fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at Junet underscore D1. Keep in mind letters M. They mean does that matter, so as per usual, please do send these into the timeline and the other ways via an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. If any news and notes that you wound up seeing in college basketball on Wednesday, I'm going to be doing those on the podcast tomorrow. So we've got all the housekeeping done there. Now let's get down to it. Let's take a look at this conference where Cleveland State and Purdue Fort Wayne wound up winning their regular season. But it was Wright State being the right team to go to the NCAA tournament last season. And you saw a lot of teams that were very similar last year as Out of your top five teams, four of them averaged between 73.5 and 75.8 points per game. This is not a conference that is ever going to be known for its defense because you got a lot of teams that they'd like to chuck it up from three point range and the teams that they were unable to, they wanted dipping towards the bottom as nine through 12 in UW-Milwaukee, Robert Morris, UW-Green Bay, and IUPUI, these were your bottom. Four teams in terms of points per game scored. Now, I will say defense was a little bit better last season as you wound up having out of the 12 teams that were within the conference, only three give up more than 71 points per game. But one of those teams, that's not on the fold in Illinois, Chicago. We wish them the best of luck as they wind up having conference realignment. I think that's going to be going relatively rough. For all those folks over there with the Flames, but that said, Robert Morrison was a little bit of a train wreck for the team, but you did notice that after Rasheem Dunn, who wanted transferring in from St. John's wound up actually leaving the program. Things wound up going a little bit more online with this team now. One thing about the Ryzen League as well is that you're never necessarily going to have great rebounding in terms of these teams both of the Wisconsin schools, UW Green Bay UW Milwaukee, both of these teams are outside the top 225 in terms of rebound rate. Youngstown State was one of your better rebounding teams. They were 130th in the country, Northern Kentucky. They are also in the top 80 in terms of rebound rate as well, but you did wind up seeing a lot of these teams wind up getting massacred on the glass and on up seeing a few teams that, with regards to points allowed on a per-possession basis, they were not too terrific. Detroit, just year in and year out, they play a relatively slow style and they can't wind up stopping a nosebleed as they were in the bottom 50 last season in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis. You just wind up seeing it with this conference in general. They allow a lot of teams to be able to shoot the three ball and of those teams, they shoot it relatively well, so it's going to be fascinating to see what we wind up getting this season, but I felt like last year, things were down a little bit with regards to the offense as compared to in past seasons, because you did wind up seeing a couple of ailments, you did wind up seeing some departures from conferences as well, so that was something that, in my opinion, was relatively fascinating to take a look at, but with regards to the Ryzen Lake, it was a conference that, in general, they didn't wind up having the world's greatest run of things in the non-conference, as the team that wound up representing the conference in the NCAA tournament in Wright State, they were actually really, really bad to begin the season. They won 20 out of their last 27 games after starting out 2-0, 2-7 straight up and 1-6 and against the spread out of conference. As a matter of fact, you only wound up having three teams that had a winning record out of conference. Oakland who wound up going 7-3 and against the spread out of conference. And you notice this with a lot of teams out there in the Ryzen League. The teams that started hot... They wound up ending the year cold. The teams that began the year cold, they got hot at the end of the year. So we did wind up seeing that happen quite a bit as well. Cleveland State won 4-2 against the spread in non-conference games. And then UW-Green Bay 4-3-1 against the spread out of conference but the teams that wound up getting hot in conference they were some surprises. IPFW Fort Wayne 16 and 7 against the spread in conference. Northern Kentucky 15 and 8 against the spread in conference. Detroit 12 and 7 against the spread. A lot of these teams were some of your lesser defensive teams but teams that were able to put the ball in the basket it was a relatively tight knit conference in terms of how teams wound up doing against the spread. You didn't really have any slugs. You really didn't have any teams that wound up blame the world on fire though. I will say for Oakland it was just an almighty fall off for this team and it was looking like a bunch that not only were they going to have a chance to perhaps be able to make the NCAA tournament but if they did wind up making the NCAA tournament they were going to be able to make some noise in the NCAA tournament as in the final 14 games of the season 2-12 Two and twelve against the spread. It went straight down the toilet bowl for them. So that was not necessarily too terrific, but you know it was pretty terrific what Detroit was able to do against the spread at home. And we did wind up seeing some demonstrative home and road splits as it felt like the teams out there in the great state of Michigan they wound up having a little bit of an advantage. As Oakland seven and five against the spread at home. Detroit eight and one against the spread at home. That's a lot, in my opinion, because they're a team that they relied very, very heavily on the three ball. Meanwhile, these teams that they wanted building themselves a little bit more around defense. It felt like they were more of your road warrior teams. Like, you take a look at a team like a Cleveland State. They want to coin 7-5 against the spread in their true road games. Youngstown State was 8-6, and six, along with IUPUI, and that's a team that we're going to be hitting upon with, like, fifty. 50- points per game second lowest mark of any d1 team in the last 12 years just absolutely remarkable what we wind up seeing there but getting back to the crux of this IPFW nine and four against the spread on the road. They were able to go on a very Herculean run towards the back half of the season. Then, when it comes to what we wind up seeing from a totals perspective out there on the rise and link, typically you are going to find some relatively high totals because this is a conference that notoriously has a lot of teams that they bomb it from three point range. But Iuipui, Iuipui, they want to just completely. Pile driving these totals down as they wanted to playing 19 unders to 8 overs. That's because they wound up having one of the most historically awful seasons on offense that you are ever going to find. And it wound up resulting in them mimicking a restaurant as they were down to 5 guys that wound up playing in the final game of the season. And here's the teams that wanted playing more unders than our good friends IUPUI, a.k.a. Iwee last season as you had Austin P, They had 77% of their games to the under. Eastern Illinois, 72.5% of their games to the under. South Florida along Central Connecticut, they both played 71% of their games to the under. And then you wound up finding our good friends IUPUI. So that's where they wound up clocking in with that regard. And what I wound up finding with the Ryzen League as well is that things wound up getting a little bit hairy when it came to conference play. It felt like bookmakers did a very solid job of being able to lock in on these teams as you wound up having one team play more than 60% of their games to the under. That would be iepui 11 out of their 18 games against the League competition wound up going under the total line. You really only had one outlier with regards to the overs and that's a team that now departs from this conference. Illinois Chicago, 16 overs and 5 unders. They played a relatively slow style. They were able to shoot relatively okay as a collective, and they we're playing no defense whatsoever, but you didn't wind up finding necessarily too much demonstrative in conference games. This was one in which you really want to handicap it on a game-in and game-out basis, and the Ryzen League, just in general, one of the more balanced conferences in all of college basketball, one in which it's very close with regards to the geography as well. You do have a team in Robert Morris that they're out there in the great state of Pennsylvania, but you don't wind up having necessarily too long of road trips for any of these teams, so that does wind up helping things out quite a bit, and got a bunch of equally matched teams, and I think that it's going to be another very fascinating year out there in the Ryzen League, and a man that does a great job of being able to break down this fine conference every single year for Blue Ribbon Yearbook, that'd be Blake Lovell, we're going to be taking a look at all the conferences with him next, right here on Coast, Coast Soups, now part of the VEASAN Family Podcast as this is the Ryzen League Conference Preview Edition.
0: 2025 QX80 coming this summer.
2: This show slash podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp and... Over at BetterHelp, they're helping you try to be able to ease up on your life a little bit more because I'm sure that you, much like myself, wish you had a little bit more time on your hands, whether that be to pursue a hobby. I myself could use a little bit of sleep as I've been handicapping about like 300 games a week and you're not able to get a lot of sleep when you're working that much, so hopefully you appreciate it on this podcast. But that said, therapy can be exactly what you need to be able to get a little bit more time on your hands to pursue exactly what you love. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It is entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched up with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time at no additional charge. Learn what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com coast today. That's C-O-A-S-T to be able to get 10% off through your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com coast.
0: 2025 QX80 coming this summer.
3: What's up? I'm John Wall.
1: And I'm CJ Toledana, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari.
3: We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. You remember that, John? My first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never see me do that.
1: Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: That's my my (laughs) goal!
0: Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other. As Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80.
2: And we're back here, lovely Las Vegas for Coast, Coast suits with myself, Greg Fears, and now a part of the Veasan family, and podcast, and this is a part of the Horizon Lake Conference preview as well as Blake Lovell does an absolutely amazing job over there at Blue Ribbon Yearbook, being able to take a look at just so much of what we wind up getting in college basketball, one of the best resources, and being able to get set for the upcoming college basketball season. And this is a man that year in and year out for Blue Ribbon Yearbook. He does a great job taking a look at the Ryzen League. If you're looking outside the Ryzen League, he also does a great job covering the SEC for fourteen Southeastern. On top of that, you've seen them on such sites as the Clutch Point Sports App, Marching the Bandits Podcast, the Locked On SEC Podcast. List goes on and on. And to be able to Blake, and to be able to follow Blake on Twitter, as at the Blake Lovell altogether. Last name is spelled L-O-V-E-L-L, and Blake. Always a pleasure, my friend. We've done it a few times. Look forward to it every time. Thank you so much for joining me.
4: Yeah, always enjoy Greg this year. Everyone will be lucky enough to know that we won't be spending 15 minutes gushing over Dennis Gates since he's no longer (laughs) in the conference anymore. I have a little bit less to say about Cleveland State this year, but yes, always enjoy it, Greg. Hey,
2: perfect place to start, Cleveland State, because they do (laughs) wind up losing Dennis Gates. They wind up having a share of the regular season conference crown from last season, but as we know, not only is Dennis Gates gone, but Des Moy Hodge is gone. Trey Gold Million is going to be gone now. They do wind up bringing in some additions. They wind up doing a very solid job, in my opinion, of being able to promote from within, to not lose overly many guys with regards to what we wanted up seeing last season. And they do wind up bringing in Tristan Anura, He is from Iowa State, someone that was a starter for their team that wanted making the Sweet Sixteen, but no question, this is a team that's going to be taking a little bit of a step down. And in my opinion, they're really going to be needing to function around six foot nine Deontay Johnson
4: this season. It's a different team, as we know, and and as we've said before, it's a new season. But we just kind of know the magic that Dennis Gates worked there, and, and I think it's going to be interesting, you know, to see if they can recapture that soon i don't think it's going to be this year like you said i think it'll just be a lot of restructuring with the roster and kind of figuring out their new identity going forward but they do have some solid pieces to work with and i think that's something that at least you know as we always say greg when there's a coaching change especially i think one like that you know your entire roster can look a lot different you know some of those guys headed to missouri with him some guys headed elsewhere but it'll be interesting to see kind of where things settle for them you know again they're not going to be a team like they have been in recent years, it's going to be right there at the top competing for a title. I'm most curious just to see kind of what their new outlook looks like, just to kind of see maybe, all right, can they keep some of that momentum going? Because as we had said before many times, Greg, this is a a program that just has not been able to find that sustained success over the years. And I think now – You know, with a new coach, I think there's some things that, you know, Robinson will be able to do well there. But you also know that that you're, you know, starting from a situation of where you you have a a lot of work to do to kind of keep that program where it has been. But I think he'll do a good job there. And I think, like you've mentioned, he did a pretty good job kind of restructuring the roster a little bit.
2: Yep. I do think that they're probably going to be functioning a little bit more down low as well with Deontay Johnson coming back. He was able to give the team nearly seven rebounds per game. So that's going to be interesting to take a look at And It's going to be a little bit of a new look for the team that wanted to making the NCAA tournament as well. Wright State, they started off horribly last season. They were two and seven in their first nine games won 20 out of their last 27 games, but they do wind up losing their top two scores from last season. Now, they wind up welcoming back one of the better players that we've seen in the last few years from the Rising League. That'd be Amari Davis. While well, he was at UW Green Bay two seasons ago, 17.5 points and a seal and a half for contests. Ironically enough, you've got Dennis Gates going to Missouri, and Amari Davis is out leaving Missouri. So. You've got a lot of a combination there. Trey Kelvin is going to be back in the fold for a Wright State team that they didn't shoot it well from three, but he did. And Wright State was a completely different team at the end of the season compared to the beginning of the season. And I think that's going to be intriguing to see what you wind up getting out of Mari Davis, because I don't think that the team is going to be as solid down low as they were last season, but... The backcourt, I think, has a lot of room to grow with Davis going into the fold.
4: Yeah, I mean, it feels like a more natural fit for Davis, like you said, someone who came from Green Bay. And, you know, I mean, we always talk about when guys transfer up. and, And, look, I thought he played solid basketball at Missouri, but by no means was he terrible. I mean, he was someone that would average about nine points a game in the SEC. And it just feels like this is a better situation now to kind of step back into this role. I think he'll be one of the, the better players in the league just because he does have experience there before you know, a former all-horizon league selection. So I'm very curious to see how Scott Nagy uses him because there is familiarity there and we know how well he's done as a coach in terms of getting some of his best stuff out of his guards. And I think he's someone you mentioned Calvin's back too, and, you know, some other guys that they're going to have to work with. I think Greg, it's reached the point with Scott Nagy that you just give him the benefit of the doubt that he's going to find a way to put all the pieces together, because usually that's just how it's worked there. And you talked about kind of the slow start they had last year. But once again, what do they do? Right. Like they find a way to put themselves in a position to get to the NCAA tournament. And I think that this will kind of be another situation where he'll lean on Davis. He'll lean on these other guys with Calvin, of course, too. It is going to be interesting to see kind of how the rest of the things come together. But that's a nice starting point when you have two senior guys like that, that, that can probably do what they'll be able to do and kind of play off each other really well.
2: They do have a good starting point with that backcourt. And this team has a good starting point with their backcourt as well. So joining me on the podcast for our Rising Lake preview, we've got Blake Lovell of Blue Ribbon Yearbook, how about IPFW, better known as Fort Wayne? They bring back Derek Godfrey, who wanted to giving the team 15 points, four and a half boards, nearly four assists, two steals per game, shot 38% for three. Damian chung Q he was able to give up four assists. He's a solid three-point shooter. Now, they do leave a little bit of something to be desired down low. They were in the bottom 25 in the country in terms of offensive rebound rate, but R.A. Kapati, he was able to do a relatively okay job for this team. Deontay Billups is someone they do like as well, and they wind up getting a clean bill of hope for Quentin Morton Robinson who winds up coming in. From Radford and they've got an intriguing D2 transfer and Anthony Roberts, who wound up averaging over 20 points and eight and a half rebounds per game at St. Cloud State out in Minnesota. And I think that IPFW has a chance to perhaps be able to contend for the conference crown. I don't know if they wind up winning it or not, but this is a team that they were solved last year. And I take a look at them with a lot of their pieces coming back. I feel very good about them.
4: Yeah, a few teams had more momentum at the end of last season. We know that. You talk about the big winning streak they went on in conference play with guys coming back that that played a pretty key role in that finish. So that's going to be something that they will be able to, I think, pick up on and use that a bit. And John Coffman, you know, good coach. And, and we know, too, Greg, that was kind of the thing we looked at with this team last year. They're not going to be shy about shooting the three. Um, Shot it pretty well last year when you just looked at the numbers. And I think that's something, too, when you just kind of look at their offensive firepower and what they're capable of. But I thought their defense really came along last year, too. So I think that's something where they kind of became, you know, a team that could do a lot of things well. And, of course, that's pretty important when you can do that. So I'm with you. I'm very intrigued by kind of what they're going to be able to, to put on the floor this year, knowing that they have some older guys coming back that have been in the program. They understand what it takes, like I said, really just based off of that finish they had last season. But I think this is a team that will be right there near the top, having a chance to compete for a title because of who they have leading the way. And just knowing that this is once again, even last year, they were an older team, but we know kind of now, Guys coming back as you know, graduate students and just kind of being in a position. This this should be one of the more experienced teams in the Horizon League for sure. So I, I'm very intrigued by the possibilities with this Fort Wayne team.
2: I am intrigued by this team as well because while they don't wind up bringing back a lot of players, they wind up bringing in a lot of players. How about Youngstown State? They do wind up losing two out of their top three scores from last season, but Dwayne Coelho wound up <laughs> averaging 15 points. Two and a half assists per game, shot over 40% from three. He's back. Garrett Covington, after being limited to three games last season, after he logged 12 and a half points per game two seasons ago, he's back. But then you bring in Brandon Rush, a double digit scorer from Fairley Dickinson. You wanted bringing in Malik Green, who prior to him getting injured at Canisius. He was putting up some unworldly numbers. Adrian Nelson from within the conference at the Northern Kentucky Norse. He's someone that's able to give you seven plus rebounds on any given night. Bryce McBride, a double digit score. Why is it coming in from Eastern Michigan? And I take a look at this roster and I don't know if the pieces will gel together, but in terms of sheer talent and sheer talent alone, this is at minimum a top three team in my opinion.
4: Yeah, I mean, Jared Calhoun, I feel like you've talked about this team before, and they've just felt like they've always been right there with a chance to kind of make that huge, huge jump. Now, of course, you know, you look at what they've done. They've won double-digit conference games, I think, two of the past three seasons. Had a pretty good year last year when you looked at kind of how things unfolded there. You know, another team that I thought finished the season pretty strong for the most part. But now this is another one of those teams, and I feel like we've said this about Youngstown State, several times the past, you know, several years is it feels like they're set up in a position with all these new guys to really, you know, kind of map that breakthrough and be right there at the top with a chance to win the league. And, and we've said that about them before. But I think this is a group that when you you talk about the new guys, they're bringing in, what is it, five guys, I think in particular, that you really look at these guys, and you see a lot of, you know, paths of these guys being really successful. You talked about Rush coming in, and And those guys, I mean, it is a team that I think on paper is very intriguing. And one of the things we've talked about before, Greg, and I know it's something that they understand that it may be the one thing that still, if they could just continue to make strides on the defensive end, I think statistically, there are still some things there. They just have struggled at times and with consistency on that side of the floor. And that's kind of led to the results of being a little bit up and down and maybe not being you know, a 24-win team versus a you know, a 19 win team or something last year. So I think that's something I look at having a lot of new faces, you know, how does everything come together on the defensive floor? Because I think offensively, they're going to be a pretty good team. But it's just to me always goes back to the defense with them. And that's not just looking at the statistics. It's watching them play and just kind of seeing a couple of those things. And we always talk about it. Barry Calhoun's a, a Bob Huggins disciple, and he's someone that wants his team to really get after it on the defensive end. So I'm curious to see how they continue to develop on that side. But the pieces are there, and they're another team that you put right there squarely, I think, in that conversation of if everything goes right, there'll be one right there near the top.
2: I think that we can put this team into that bucket as well as joining me on the podcast. We do a Blake Lovell, does a great job over there at Blue Ribbon Yearbook, and does their preview every single year for the Ryzen League, and that would be Oakland. They wind up bringing in perhaps the biggest name via the transfer portal as Rocket Watts, who we all remember from Michigan State. He was an all-freshman performer in the Big Ten, and then I ended up having to fall off from there and really just did not perform at all at Mississippi State last season. He winds coming into the fold, but we always ask the question about Youngstown State with regards to defense. Boy, is that a question with regards to Oakland because sometimes they play defense that would make Casper the friendly ghost blush. So that is a little bit of an issue. They bring in Keaton Harvey, someone who at Missouri State was able to average right around 7.5 points, 4.5 boards, shot 43.5% from three two seasons ago. That's relatively rock solid, but – I just feel like Rocket Watts is probably going to be able to put up numbers, but he's not necessarily a great three-point shooter in an Horizon League that you really need to be able to shoot the three. And we saw with Oakland as well last year, they looked like the best team in the conference for much of the season, went straight down the toilet bowl because they didn't have a lot of depth and. They don't have a lot of depth again this year, so I'm a little bit bearish on them personally. I mean, I think that Rocket Watts, once again, puts up big numbers. You do wind up also bringing back one of the top players in terms of assists per game from a few seasons ago as well, so that is going to be absolutely massive for them and Jalen Moore. But I take a look at Oakland and I think that they might wind up putting up a lot of hollow numbers this year.
4: You know, the one thing I looked at, Greg, when when I kind of started studying them was just this is still going to be a fairly young team, and I think that's something too that we look at and we kind of compare them. You know, we just talked about some of these other teams that have so many of these upperclassmen coming back, specifically seniors coming back. There are a couple of older guys. I mean, you know, you talk about Harvey and those or Herbie and those kind of guys coming in. But this is still a team that's going to rely on some younger guys. And, like, I think you, you just kind of know that going in. And I think it's how those guys continue to develop overall. And knowing that, you know, Greg Campy has added some new guys to the mix, I don't know exactly where to place them. Like, that's what we've talked about, kind of the string of teams here recently. And you feel like you have a much better idea of where some of these teams are going to be at, whether it's Wright State, whether it's Fort Wayne, Youngstown State. I don't know where I would put Oakland right now. I think they're a team that's just kind of hard to figure out because I think they are – and we always say this when we, we do these previews it's like there's some of these teams that are just wait and see teams. And I think that they are firmly in that category of you can see some of the things that could go well. You can see some of the things that maybe will not go as well as uh, perhaps they want them to. Um, you know, like you said, you've still got a, You've got a rocket walks coming in. Guys like that who feel like that they should be able to perform better, maybe that they did in a previous stop. But I still don't know, you know all the way you know what that depth's going to look like and you said it i mean there's there's a lot of players on the roster and there's a lot of people to choose from but it's just what does the rotation look like i don't exactly know yet with them not to say that they can't be one of the better teams in the league but i think putting them in that wait and see group because i just right now i still don't have a great grasp on maybe where they're going to be at not just in november but, you know, what's this team look like in mid-January, early February?
2: And I'm intrigued to see what this team looks like in February as well. And that would be Robert Morris, as they bring back a lot of pieces from last year. And after Rasheem Dunn left the program, it wasn't like they wanted getting a lot of straight-up wins. But they were sort of the thorn in the side of everyone last year. It felt like they wound up losing a lot of close games. They were on the cusp. Andy Toole, I think, is actually a relatively solid coach for this team. They do wind up bringing back an Cheeks, who I really like, right around nine and a half points, five and a half boards, solid three-point shooter. Winthrop transfer Josh Corbin is someone that a few years ago he was able to shoot over 40% from three-point range. Trey James is a former top-five recruit from the state of Kentucky from a few seasons ago that comes in from Iona, and I take a look at this Robert Morris team, and I don't think that they're going to be barreling down the hatches and being in the top three in the conference or anything like that, but... I think that this team is going to be very much approved after they out of going 8-28 and in conference in their first few years as a rising league member.
4: Yeah, you would think it's one of those things, you know, we talk about this in all sports, but it's like at some point, it's like the law of averages where things will have to average out to where they're going to win some of those close, those close games they lost last year. And I think that's kind of one of those things when you look at it kind of deceiving. They go 8-24, and but... You know, you look back at some of those games last year. What was it? They lost, I think, several in a row by a handful of points or less. There were quite a few of those Horizon League games. I'd say the majority of the Horizon League games, they were right there with a chance. But it just did not all come together. And I think that's where... You would expect some of that to be a little bit different this year just because, you know, you have a team that's going to bring some guys back that that do have some experience. Obviously, they were another team. I think they just, just couldn't get stops defensively. That just seemed to be really the common theme for them and just giving up as many points as they did. I think those are the things that you're certainly circling. If you're Robert Morris and you want to kind of make that jump, like you mentioned, Greg, I don't think they're going to be a team that's competing for a title or anything, but I think there's the possibility they can make some moves. I don't know how significant those moves are going to be in comparison to others, but looking at the roster, there's some talent to work with here. And, and like I said, I just think it's one of those things where sometimes throughout the course of a season, you just lose some of those games and you just cannot find a way to win them. Maybe, you know, you can build off of that and, and win some of those games this year. Maybe it's a little bit different, but Still feels like a team that's kind of maybe trying to put themselves in the middle of the pack there somewhere. Um, But getting into that, that upper echelon seems like it's still probably going to be a challenge.
2: I agree with you there. I think that there'll be a little bit of improvement for Robert Morris, but they're still a ways away. I don't know if we're going to see any improvement with this team though, as UW Green Bay, in my opinion, I still cannot get over the fact that they fired Link Darner two years ago. It has just led to an impossible situation for Will Ryan. I think that he's a solid coach, but it felt like he was just put in a position to fail and, as far, the program is what five and twenty-five last season. They're thirteen and forty-two overall in the last two seasons. After having a winning season for their previous five years under Link Darner, and the team was three hundred fifty-fifth in the country in terms of three-point shooting percentage. They bring in Ryan Wade, who wound up putting up right around six points per game at Holy Cross. Brock Hefner, who is from the state of Wisconsin, but didn't play at all from Hawaii. These are their big pickups after they wound up losing four of their top five scores from last season. I just don't see any path of UW-Green Bay going anywhere other than the bottom three in this conference. I wish I could be more bullish on this team. I grew up 45 minutes away from the city of Green Bay, but, I mean, I am just still distraught that they wanted firing Link Darner, and right now they're paying for their sins.
4: Yeah, you said it, and I've said, said it before. I mean, I, look, I like Will Ryan. He's a good coach, but I think he's in an impossible situation. You know, not only are you someone who has to make that jump like he did from the non-Division one level, coming in, taking over, a program for a coach that a lot of people liked and they were having success. Then as you and I, I remember we had the discussion not long after Greg, it's just like, we had no idea why they made the move. It made no sense, but you know, you know what happens after that. You have guys leave the program. You had some stability there, but Everything just kind of fell apart and you're having to rebuild everything almost for no reason, because, again, you had some pretty good thing going for a little while there. So you said kind of an impossible situation. That's sort of what it feels like here. I mean, look, they could be better for all I know, but I don't think they're going to be significantly better to the point to where maybe even they're hitting double digit wins. I mean, look, they won five last year, as we know. I said eight the year before. I think if you win 10, you're feeling pretty good about things. Like you said, you're basically starting from scratch for a program that really felt like it didn't need to start from scratch. You know, it was one of those that we kind of expected year in and year out, even if they weren't winning the Horizon League or something, they were going to be competitive and they're going to be right there in that middle part, pushing those teams to the top. It's just not that way right now. I think the roster. There's a lot that you just don't know with it, especially compared to the other teams in the conference. And for that reason, I'm with you. I think this is probably a safely a bottom tier team.
2: Yep, I am in agreement with you there. And there's another team out there in Wisconsin that can their coach, this one, a little bit more justified, is joining me on the podcast. We do have Blake Lovell, does a great job over there on Blue Ruby yearbook. That'd be UW Milwaukee because everything went down the trailer for the team last season. After five straight seasons below 500 and going 10 and 22 with having a top 10 recruit on the roster in the Rising League, you know what? Pat Baldwin got the boot. Pat Baldwin Jr. became a first round pick with the Warriors, which. His basketball stock wound up going down about as rapidly as Enron's did back in the day. But now it is going to be Queens NC coach Bart Lundy that takes over the program. And for those that don't know about Queens NC, they go up to the D1 level this year. They are one of the most consistent D2 level teams out there. Did a very good job there. Vin Baker Jr. is going to be coming back, 5.3 rebounds per game. But you mentioned that the fact that UW Green Bay is going to be building from scratch. This team is as well. But they bring in Jalen Johnson, sixteen points, half rebounds out there in the swag coming in from Alabama State. They wound up really hitting the Juco front as Justin Thomas, Angelo Stewart, two top winner Juco recruits by Juco Recruiting. They wind up coming in. Stewart wound up notching 22 points per game. And you wind up bringing in Jordan Radcliffe, who at D2 UNC Pembroke shot 44 percent from three-point range now I think that it's going to be a little bit of a rebuild for UW-Milwaukee but I think we're both in agreement that this coaching firing and the hiring want to make a little bit more sense that UW-Green Bay's did a few years ago and with Bart Lundy I like him as a coach probably gonna take a few years but I do like the move
4: yeah and you wonder if this is kind of the opposite where you know maybe it is a program that you feel like is needed something and and maybe this is one where even though like you can't maybe clearly define the path for them to, like I said, maybe be as such a surprise team that they're right there in the, you know, top half or something. But maybe there is a little bit of, of optimism to where you can look at this and then like you said, bring over a coach that's had a lot of success. You know, now you bring in some pieces that I think intriguing, probably the best word. There's some guys there that you feel like can come in and, and have some success right away. Maybe I'm more optimistic than I should be, but I think it is probably just that situation of thinking, all right, this was a team that just unfortunately was not really going anywhere and was just kind of, you know, completely just stalled out. They they could never kind of make that jump they wanted to make after that first season. You know, can they use that to be able knowing that the expectations are not high? I mean, look, this is a team that Again, won 10 games last year. There's a coaching change, a lot of new faces on the roster. The expectation isn't to win the Horizon League title or even challenge worth this year, but can they be a team? Maybe they can fly under the radar a little bit. I think they'll be one that probably gets better throughout the season, and maybe by the end of the year, you know, maybe they're having a chance to really compete with some of these other teams. I don't know. I think I'm more intrigued just because it is kind of a fresh start, and like we said, it feels like much more of a justified fresh start than in some of these other situations we've talked about.
2: No question about it. As joining me on the podcast, we know Blake Lovell does a great job at Blue Ribbon Yearbook taking a look at the rise in the year and year off for them. As Northern Kentucky has now won at least 20 games in five out of their last six seasons. We recall they wound up having John Brandon go to Cincinnati and then leave Cincinnati ever since then. And things have been relatively stable for this team. And I like the guy that wound up busting out last year in Sam Vincent. As a true freshman, 11 points, four boards, three and a half assists, two steals per contest. Very much a guy that did a great job on defense. And then Trey Robinson, in terms of steals force on a permanent basis, was in the top 25 at all of college basketball. Marquise Warwick, solid three-point shooter. Now, you do wind up losing Adrian Nelson, who winds up staying in the conference to Young, sound safe. But I do take a look at the scene, bringing back Chris Brandon, who did a very good job of being able to hit the offensive glass. I do think that the loss of Nelson is going to wind up hurting them a little bit, but getting back Drayvon Faulkner for a fifth year as being treated on this other Kentucky team, I don't know if they wind up winning the conference, but I see them back in the top half
4: of this conference once again. Yeah, I think I put Darren Horn in that category of, you know, kind of coaches now in the Horizon League where you just sort of give them the benefit of the doubt and, and feel like they're going to make it work. Because like you mentioned, when he took over there, the Brandon thing didn't work out at Cincinnati like everyone maybe thought it would. But I mean, clearly, Horn has been able to just to kind of keep things rolling right along. When you look at how many wins they've had these recent years, snabbing double-digit wins every single season in the conference, of course, won 14 last year, I think they're One that you're going to put right there challenging for the title just because they are a team that has kind of built that sustainable success, which, as we've seen, sometimes in the Rising League is not easy to do because you just have teams that kind of fly all over the place sometimes. But I think they are set up for another good season. You know, you can pretty much expect them, I think, to hit that 21 mark somewhere in there and they'll have a chance to challenge for the title and it it goes back to kind of Darren Horn understanding what has worked he's found the right fit for him and when you bring back some of the pieces that they're going to bring back there's a lot of reasons for optimism for them and yeah I'd put them right there in that category these other teams we talked about in terms of you'd be more surprised than not if they're not challenging for the title
2: and there's reason for optimism out there in the great state of Michigan as well because Detroit they wind up bringing back Antoine Davis, who had each out of
4: the last four seasons. Craig, he's been there 18 years. I think he's been there like 15 years at this point. I really do.
2: And his career low was last year in terms of points per game at 23.9. His career low for points per game is 23.9. It's absolutely insane what we've seen out of him. Now the question becomes, what do you wind up getting out of everyone else? Because Jaden Stone is someone that was highly touted by 24-7 Sports, a top-five recruit from the state of Kansas. Didn't wind up playing a lot for Grand Canyon. He is going to be coming in. You do wind up losing a lot of the ancillary pieces from last season, like Mato, Asech, and company. So that is going to be hurting them a little bit. But I do think that a clean bill of help for Jordan Phillips, who he wind up averaging 7.5 points per game, shot right around 38% from three a few years ago at UT Arlington. That's going to be big once again question becomes, what are you going to be able to get around Antoine Davis? Because this guy is a walking bucket, one of the best peer scores in all of college basketball, but the reason why Detroit hasn't been able to take that step forward is that they play absolutely no defense whatsoever, and there's been nobody to help out Antoine Davis.
4: It would be interesting, I think, if you and I went back and played our exact conversation on Detroit from the past two seasons. <laughs> I guarantee you it would be the exact same, and look, there's, there's yep. no reason to kind of veer off course from that because it is the same thing. It's like we've said the same stuff over and over with them. It's, all right, Antoine Davis is back. He's going to put up 40 at some point in the season, maybe more. He'll average at least 25. Then it's like, all right, what about everything else? And that's kind of been the same discussion. They will beat some teams just because they have him on the roster. And they'll probably beat some teams maybe don't think they're going to beat just because he is out there on the floor. But because their defense is what it is, because there's still been a lot of inconsistency elsewhere, it's kind of led them to kind of stay what I think, Greg, is just kind of stuck in that same place where everybody is always, I think, optimistic going into the season. And I will be too with them to say that we see that. Like, they can get there. It's just, has it all come together yet? Maybe the way you thought it would. Look, they've won back-to-back years. They've had improvement where they've, what, I think won 10 conference games back-to-back seasons now. So they're making strides in that area. But it's can they take that next step, kind of doing the same things they've been doing? That's still my question with Detroit. It hasn't changed all that much. You know you've got the best player in the conference out there from a scoring standpoint. There's no doubt about it. He's going to put up a lot of points. It's just the same stuff. Can they be significantly improved defensively? If they can, they'll compete for a title. Can they have some of these other guys step up, knowing you got some new faces coming in? Can you have them kind of play off Antoine Davis very well? If they can, I think they'll have a chance to compete you know, near the top. But if some of these other things stay the same, which I think not necessarily have stayed the same, but it's just they're not able to kind of get over the, that hump, especially defensively at times when you get in some of those close games, maybe. I don't know. Again, I think we just, we're probably saying the same thing we've said the past couple of seasons. And I don't know that there's been anything this offseason season to make me change my mind significantly to think that this is maybe one of those where, all right, now they make that huge jump. All of a sudden they went 20 something games this year win the horizon league and look out. I don't know if I would go that far, but they're still interesting because, you know, they have someone like Davis and he's going to make it entertaining.
2: I can't wait until our 2037 (laughs) Horizon League conference preview. And Antoine Davis has found a way to be able to get like his 15th extra year of eligibility. (laughs) We're still talking about him at Detroit coming off another year in which he played no defense whatsoever, Finish in the middle of the Horizon League. So hopefully we wind up getting that at some point. But Typically, on a lot of podcasts, they say that they save the best for last. I wish I could say that about IUPUI. (laughs) 51.3 points per game were the second fewest of any D1 college basketball team in the last 12 years, and In the last 12 years, we have seen the shot clock go from 35 to 30, and the three point line wind up adjusting a little bit. So, there's that. They were the lone team since 2000 to wind up playing absolutely no subs whatsoever in a basketball game since Jacksonville State versus Charleston Southern when they wound up facing off against Oakland in the Rise of the League Conference tournament. And this speaks to how bad Oakland was. They were actually not pulling away from IUPUI in that game. and I will say for IUPUI, for a team that had five guys at the end of the year trying to mimic a restaurant at that point, they actually were relatively competitive. They bring back Zach Gunn, who wanted missing all of last season. He transfers in from Ball State. They wind up losing much of last season. But I feel like this is actually a relatively well-coached team. As strange as that is to say, they were just a victim of some very bad luck. Dylan Hamilton, he winds coming in after he spent a year at Western Michigan, tore it up at the D2 level for IUPUI. It's going to be another very long year but I did wind up seeing a lot of fight from what was one of the most unprecedented and unfortunate situations that we've ever seen in college basketball last year
4: yeah it was rough like you said it's a team that wins three games what was it I think one only I think to be Robert Morris that was the only division one win but you mentioned it it's crazy to, I know it's crazy to say that about a three-win team but you could see some things. Like there were some things that you saw them do as well as they could. Now, it wasn't, again, going to compare to some of these other teams, but you could see some things that, that were at least clicking at times. And I think that's all you can ask for, again, based on the situation and knowing that, you know, Matt Crenshaw was going to have his hands full no matter what. And I think when you look at the roster, they don't have a shortage of players on the roster. I'm not saying that in the meaning way, but like it is one of those teams where when you are struggling the way they've had and knowing that, you're basically just putting anything out there you can and trying to figure out what works. They have you know, options, so they can at least try to figure out some of these rotations maybe coming into the season. Maybe some of these new guys can come in and be some of those pieces that fit well into that. Look, there's still going to be a team that's going to be near, near the bottom, as we said, if not the bottom. But you hope to find some of that progress, and I think it is one where you kind of understand that there are no expectations coming into the season based off of last year. All you try to do is improve on that. And I don't think this is a team that just, you blame the coaching staff and say, oh, there's no way. We, we all know. Like, that's not the reason here. It's just, this was a team that was basically, we talk about starting from scratch. I mean, my goodness, like, this is one where you just, you're in a position where you just can't win. And we'll see. Can they win a few more games this year? I don't think they're going to be one necessarily, as we said. It's going to make that just big jump by any means. But can they just find the pieces to put in place to maybe be more competitive and to win some more of these games.
2: Yeah, I agree with you. And Bryce Monroe is going to be coming in. He was at San Diego last year, two seasons ago at San Houston state. He was putting up right around 10 points per game. So at the very least, There were signs of fight from this team, which you can't say for necessarily all college basketball teams towards the end of last season. So that was something that was very positive and something that is always positive. Getting you on this podcast, Blake, I mentioned that you always do the Horizon League Conference Preview for Blue Ribbon Yearbook every single year, one of the best publications for getting folks up for the upcoming college basketball season. And I know you do work with like 57 different entities and you do them all very well. So let the good people at home know they're able to follow you on social media and everything that's all on tap for you.
4: Yeah, always enjoy Greg. Like you said, Blue Ribbon Yearbook, that will be out uh, soon enough, so you can check that out at uh, blueribonyearbook.com. That will come out uh, either sometime late next month or early September, as always, so you can check that out. Great resource for everything college basketball, as you know, and, yeah, everything else, you can just follow me on Twitter at TheBlakeBubble.
2: And Blake does an amazing job taking a look at the game of college basketball all 12 months out of the year. He, much like myself, starting his conference previews, doing a lot of the legwork, for that Blue Ribbon Yearbook, which comes out every single year. Great resource for anyone looking to get set for the upcoming college basketball season. And Blake always does a great job when he joins me for the Horizon League Conference Preview delivered the goods once again today. So big thanks again for joining me right here on Coast to Coast Soup. It's now part of the Visa Family Podcast. Coming up next, it is that time to find it. It's going to be my projector or finish for the Horizon League.
0: Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury
3: Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano
1: on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: It wasn't supposed to be my That's my day, goodness, bro. Bro.
0: <laughs> Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80.
3: Check out Point Game with John Wall and C.J.
1: Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: It wasn't supposed to my That's my day. And <laughs>
2: <laughs> hey, we're back we'll love in lovely Las Vegas for Ghost Guard with myself, Greg Eub Spears, and now a part of the Neeson Family, a podcast as it is a Rise and League Conference Preview Edition and... A big thanks to Blake Lovell for joining me in the last segment, being able to take a look at all these conferences, what we're going to be seeing in the Ryzen League in general. He is just a wealth of knowledge when it comes to being able to take a look at college basketball. He, much like myself, starting up with a lot of these conference previews, and he joins me every single year for the Ryzen League preview, always delivers great information, did so once again today. So a big thanks to him for joining me right here on Costa Coast, Coast Soups, and now it is that time of the podcast to give you my projector or finish For the Ryzen League once again, since I did not wind up hitting upon the news and notes of college basketball today with doing a conference preview. Anything that I missed from Wednesday, that is going to be taken care of on the podcast tomorrow, so have no fear there. Now let's get down to it, and we now have 11 teams out there in the Ryzen League, and coming in at dead last, that'd be UW-Green Bay. I mean, it is shocking that I'm not going with IUPUI in this spot, but I actually saw a little bit of fight in IUPUI, and they've got a transfer that I'm going to be hitting upon in a minute. I think it's good to be able to help them out a little bit, but for Will Ryan, he just should not have been given this job to start with. He winds up coming in from D2 Wheeling, that's out there in West Virginia, it was right around 500 there, and why UW-Green Bay want him letting go of Link Darner a few years ago, I mean, that's still baffles my mind. I mean, it's my home state of Wisconsin, and this is just an embarrassment of a program right now. They were 355th in the country. In terms of three-point shooting percentage. Now, Nate Jenkins, her best three-point shooter, who had 6.4 points per game, shot 35.5% from three, He's back. You he wanted to bring in Brock Hefner. He was someone that at Hawaii, right around a six foot 6'6", 6'7", a little bit of a combo player from Grafton, Wisconsin. He's going to be coming in, but he didn't see the floor at all. You're bringing Ryan Wade, who averaged 5.8 points per game two seasons ago at Holy Cross. whoop doo He couldn't get out there on the floor. For Central Michigan last season, he's a career 29.5% three-point shooter. Team went 5-25 and last year. Just disgraceful. UW-Green Bay, it's a program that has actually put together some good basketball. When Brian Wardle was there, this was a team that legitimately was trying to fight for an NCAA tournament at large. Now they find themselves dead last in my projector of finish in the Ryzen Lake. They can't rebound. They can't shoot. They lose four other top five scores from last year. Just a disgrace. I don't want to talk about this anymore. UW-Green Bay, dead last in my projector of finish, and one of the legitimately worst teams in all of college basketball. And number 10, IEPUI. Congratulations, IEPUI. My grudge against UW-Green Bay for getting rid of Lake Darnumer or Wanda putting you up a notch as this Jaguars team averaged 51.3 points per game last season. That is the second lowest in the last 12 years of all of college basketball. Bond, despite all that. This team actually only lost to Oakland by, I believe, 11 or 12 points in the conference tournament when they were down to five guys. They were the first team since 2000 that they didn't have a single substitute enter into the game. Matt Crenshaw is actually not a terrible coach. I mean, it was just a case of which Murphy's Law hit this team last season. Everything that could go wrong did go wrong. Over half their roster wound up getting banged up. Now you wind up having a healthy Zach Gunn who winds up coming in from Ball State. He's not going to light it up. Right around four and a half points per game at six foot six. He's able to bury a couple threes, but Jonah Carrasco, he winds up returning after he wound up having four and a half points right around four boards per game, wound up showing some signs of brightness, a little bit of a six-foot-nine big man that should be able to help out this team and then you do wind up bringing in someone that... I think he's going to be able to help out this backcourt quite a bit as he wound up beginning his career while he was at Sam Houston State, being able to put up right around 10 or 11 points per game last season. Last year with the Toreros, didn't do a ton. That'd be Bryce Monroe. He was able to put up right around six half points, a little bit over 2 assists per game last season. A relatively solid 3-point shooter shot right around 34.5% from 3 last season. He's going to be given the keys to the offense, and I think that he's going to be able to do a good job of maneuvering. I mean, it's not a lot to speak of. It's going to be another rough year for IEPUI, but at the very least... You could sense that the program is going in the right direction with UW Green Bay. I wouldn't be surprised if, because everyone's so cheap over there, if they wind up going to the D2 level, maybe even the D3 level in a few years, and joining our good friends UW Oshkosh company. Because I mean, that is just such a poorly run sports organization in general. But that said, is going to be in for a little bit of a tough year. But you also wind up bringing in Chris Osen, 6'9", foot gentleman that wound up seeing a couple starts at Arizona State. That should be able to help the team out a little bit. IUPUI in for a rough year, not as rough as our good friends at UW Green Bay. So I've got them number ten in my projector. Finish at number nine. I'm going to be going to UW Milwaukee, so, going to be a rough year for Wisconsin schools that aren't in a power conference this season, but with UW Milwaukee. I do like the hiring that they wanted to making with Bart Lundy. Did a very good job of being able to coach up Queens NCU. A lot of people forget Queens NC. Two seasons ago, the 2020-2021 season, they were in a multi-team event with Belmont, George Mason, and also Howard. They knock off Howard by double digits. They took George Mason down to the wire. They were playing very competitively with Belmont. They won 30 games last season at the D2 level. Very up-tempo team that would consistently average over 80 points per game. So, you have got some exciting basketball being play. They do wind up bringing in Keon Edwards, a former top 100 freshman by 24-7 Sports who's a little bit of a six-foot-eight-point forward. Jalen Johnson, he comes in from the swag. Average 16 points, 7.3 rebounds per game at Alabama State. Now, the rise and Link higher level than the SWAC, but I am excited about him. Justin Thomas, Angelo Stewart, they're a pair of top 100 rated JUCO guys, according to JUCORecruiting.com. Stewart was able to put up 22 points per game, shot 40.5% from three-point range. I think it's going to take a little bit of time for these guys to mesh, but it is clear that Bart Lundy wants to get back to playing exciting basketball, having this team vomit from three-point range, which they did during the 2020-2021 season. Last year, this team was just so handcuffed by building everything around Pat Baldwin Jr., and then when Pat Baldwin Jr. wound up being injured and quite frankly was one of the biggest disappointments that we've seen in college basketball in a very long time. It just wound up going straight down the toilet bowl for them. They were terribly coached. Now they're going to be well coached. You're going to need a little bit of time to mesh, but I wouldn't be surprised if UW-Milwaukee gets off to a little bit of a rough start to the season and then at the end of the year, they're a very tough out for a lot of these teams. So I'm actually a little bit more bullish on UW-Milwaukee. Still going to be a rough year. Got them number 9. My projector are finished, but we see some signs of brightness for them. Number 8 is going to be Robert Morris. Good old Bobby Morris wound up having a really rough year last year, but after they wound up having their point guard and Rashim Dunn leave the program, things actually wound up getting better for this team. They wound up returning Michael Green, the transfer from Ryan, 10.5 points, right around 3.3 assists per contest. I like Khalil Spear. He comes in from the bracket Bucks and Bucknell Bison, 14.5 points, 7.5 boards out of him, and this is a team that I think is going to be a little bit better down low. Enoch Cheeks is a little bit of a Swiss Army knife of a guy. 9 points, 5.5 boards, 2.5 assists, shot 36.5% for a 3-point range. They do lose their top 3-point shooter in Cam Ferris, who wanted shooting right around 40% from three-point range. But Matt Myers, he wanted starting in 23 games. He didn't take a lot of threes, which is why I say that Ferris was their top three-point shooter. But he shot 44% from three-point range when he did wind up getting minutes for this team. Someone who was able to put up six points, four and a half rebounds per game. So I do like the upside of him. And then when it comes to Robert Morris, they have added... Did a couple guys in terms of the transfer portal as well. I don't think that's going to be anything earth shattering, but Trey James, he's six foot nine. He was the number three rated freshman from the state of Kentucky for the year two thousand twenty one. Went to Iona, just did not wind up being able to see a lot of minutes in general for the team. But Josh Corbin, someone who wound up shooting right around forty percent from three for a one team that wanted to make the NCAA tournament two seasons ago, that should be a little bit impactful for this Robert Morris team. Andy Toole, I think, is a relatively solid coach. It's been a rough last two years for Robert Morris, but I think that they're starting to. Mate, to the level of competition that they play against. So I've got Robert Morris. Number eight in my projector finish. And number seven, I'm going to be going with Cleveland State. With Cleveland State, it's just really rough losing a coach like Dennis Gates. And on top of that, with Dennis Gates, you wind up losing so many of the guys that want to make him this team successful, like Trey Million. You lose to Moy Hodge as well. So this is a team that's going to be built around their returning big man, e. Deontay Johnson, who was able to give you seven and a half points, six boards per game. And Deshaun Parker is a guy that's able to dole it out, three assists per game. Began his career at James Madison. And I was at James Madison, showed that he could be a little bit more of a demonstrative score. They did wind up picking up a Good junior college transfer, which under Dennis Gates, they did a good job with their JUCO guys. Demoy Hodge was actually one of them. And Jameer Price, he winds coming in from Mineral Area College, was able to put up 13 and a half points, a little bit over three and a half assists per game, shot 44 percent for three. Tristan and Aruna, he is gonna be coming in from Iowa State as well. He was a starter for that team that wanted to make in the sweet 16 last season, and Tay Williams was a junior college player that wanted playing at John A. Logan. He wanted putting up right around 12 and a half points per contest. I believe that he also wanted to be getting. His career at Tennessee Tech as well. A top 50 guy, according to JucoRecruiting.com, so Cleveland State. I think that they still got a lot of the defensive grit from what they wind up losing, and Dennis Gates is going to be a little bit of a change with the coaching regime, and they did a good job of being able to find a relatively solid fit, being able to keep as many guys in there as seemingly possible, not going way off the reservation with regards to the coaching hire. but that said, I do think that it is going to be a little bit rough in year number one for Daniel Robertson, but I do think that things are going to be relatively solid. I think that he's going to be able to keep Cleveland State towards the middle after the conference. I've got them number 7 in my projector finish. And number 6, I'm going to be going with Detroit. We were talking about with Blake Lovell. You know what you're going to be able to get out of Antoine Davis. He had a career low, 23.9 points per game last season. A career low! But... With that said, what are you going to be able to get out of anyone else whatsoever? Matt Johnson is going to be back. He was able to average 7.5 points for board shot, 42% from 3-point range last season. And really the question that you've got with the supporting cast, Jordan Phillips, 6'7 combo player, was looking to come in from UT Arlington last season, wound up missing all of last season due to an injury. But at 6'7, seven, he's able to shoot it at right in the neighborhood, about 38% from 3-point range, log 7.5 points per game. So he's got a little bit of upside in him, but that said... This is also a case in which they wind up losing a lot of their supporting pieces from last season. As for Detroit, they were really able to get some good production out of Maydu Asech. He is going to be out of the fold. No Waterman. He was able to do a very solid job as well. Being able to shoot some threes as a six foot ten, a little bit of a combo player, he is going to be out of the fold as well. So this is a Detroit team that they're in a little bit of transition right now. I still think that this is going to be a team that's going to be rather competitive because when you've got Antoine Davis, you've got yourself a shot on any given night, but that said, it's just a case of which you've got nobody around Antoine Davis. I have a little bit of a question mark with regards to Debenzi Anderson as well. He's a former four star that wanted beginning his career at Indiana, couldn't find his footing at Indiana. Went to Loyola Chicago, didn't play at all last season. And in the games that he wanted playing for Loyola Chicago, really didn't see the floor at all. Just a guy that had a lot of wasted potential, in my opinion. It's been a little bit of a sad situation. I don't think that he's going to be able to elevate this program overly much. And as a result, I've got Detroit number six in terms by projector or finish. At number five we're going to be going with the Grizzlies of Oakland and with Oakland they do wind up bringing in the biggest name in the transfer portal in my opinion of any team out there in this conference and that would be the fact that Rocket Watts is going to be coming in, and with Rocket Watts, I mean, he wound up being a Big Ten All-Freshman selection, but with Rocket Watts as well, the guy is a little bit of a knuckle case in his shot selection. Overall, he has been able to average for his career right around 7.3 points per game, shooting 26.9% from three, and he's not even too much of a facilitator. Did wind up having 2.7 assists per game when he was playing for Michigan State during the 2020-2021 season, but it was very apparent that he was not a fit at Mississippi State, and you also do wind up having back a guy that's going to take the pressure off of them and Jalen Moore now with more 15 and a half points 4.3 4.3 assists. He has averaged 15 and a half points, 4.3 rebounds. His eight assists per game the last two seasons that leads all of college basketball. But with Jalen Moore as well, you know it led the country last season. It's 4.5 turnovers per game. That is an issue. This is an Oakland team that year in and year out. They can't car- guard their own shadow. They do wind up bringing in Keaton Harvey as well. That should be able to give the team some shooting. Shot 43 and a half percent from three point range, and that's going to be big because Oakland out of 358 one teams in the bottom 25 in terms of three-point shooting percentage last season, so that was a big, giant issue for this team, and for Oakland, they got decimated on the glass, allowing 11.8 offensive rebounds per game, so they are really going to need Trey Thompson to be able to step up 13.5 points, five and a half points, 5.5 boards, 1.4 steals, and a block per contest, so he was solid, but this was a Oakland team that they really went with pretty much a six-half man rotation for much of the season. They're going to need to have a little bit more depth, and I think a big reason why they wound up Having the fall-off that they did towards the end of last season is that Greg Campy did not wind up having a lot of guys that could spell some like Jamal Cain for even like five or so minutes. I mean, if they could just get a little bit out of their bench, this wasn't going to be a team that... They could have made some noise in the NCAA tournament, but no, instead it was just the same five guys going out there and that led to a big giant disappointment of a back half of the season for Oakland. I do think that Rocket Watts is a solid player, but I also think that he's a little bit of a black hole in which... You wind up giving it in the ball, and you're not going to see it back out there once again, and that could wind up actually hurting this Oakland team, so I've got them number 5 in terms of my projector finish. At number 4, I'm going to be going Northern Kentucky. I like the way that the Norths have been able to build up this program. 20-plus wins in 5 out of their last 6 years, aside from the pandemic-shrunken year of 2020-2021 and Sam Vincent. He was one of the most underrated true freshmen in the country last season. 11 points, 4.3 rebounds, 3.5 assists, 2.1 steals per game. This team does a good job of able to get the ball. Trey Robinson, top 25 in the country in terms of steals force on a permanent basis, and then got Trayvon Faulkner, who's going to be coming back in the fold. He's going to look to get back to his 2020-2021 form. He had that year, 16.5 points, 5.5 points, 2.5 assists, 1.5 steals per game. Now, last year, he shot 37.5% for three. year before. It's more around 27.5% for distance, and for Northern Kentucky, they were the best rebounding team in this conference. They do wind up losing Adrian Nelson to a team that I'm going to allude to in a few minutes in Youngstown State, but Northern Kentucky just year in and year out. They have been a top four team in this conference. You've got a lot of good talent that is going to be returning for them. You don't wind up bringing in a lot of transfers, but Xavier Rhodes is he one guy that you do bring in. He was at the D2 level for Florida Southern last season. 14 14.5 points. Five assists, 1.7 seals per game at the non D1 level. You've got a bunch of guys on this Northern Kentucky team. They're Swiss Army Knights, really, other than Chris Brandon. You've got a lot of guys that they play a good positionless brand of basketball. You've been able to see the three point shooting really be elevated for the team. Marquise Warren. After he wound up having a few rough games to begin the season, he was able to average 17 points per game on 35.5%, three-point shooting last season as well. So I do think that Northern Kentucky, if they're able to iron things out in terms of their free-throw shooting as well, they were right around 180th in the country. This is a team that, under Darren Oren, they're going to be able to make some noise. I set them number four in my projector finish. Number three, we go with Wright State, and for Wright State, I do think that losing Tanner Holden along with Grant Bazile, that is just massive. These two guys wound up averaging a combined 38.5 points and 15.5 rebounds per game. But you do bring back Trey Calvin. Calvin is someone that I absolutely love. As he was the team's top three-point shooter last year, hitting right around 38% of his triples shot. For fourteen and a half points, right around three point three boards, three and a half assists, one and a half steals per game. So does a very solid job with that regard. And also missing with Bazile along with Holden, both of these guys shot above seventy eight percent at the free throw line. So that is going to be a little bit of an issue for this bunch. But you do take a look at Wright State, and what I like is that Keaton Norris was someone that was able to shoot right around forty five and a half percent from three point range in the final thirteen games of the season. He was able to put it together. You got to figure that he is going to be doing for a few more minutes. Blake Sicily, he was able to shoot. Thirty-nine percent from three-point range as a six-foot-eight wing from Evansville last year. That should be able to give the team some reinforcements. Depth is going to be an issue, but you wind up bringing in Amari Davis, the last year that he was in the Rising League, 17.4 points, 1.4 steals per game. Not a guy that is going to bury a lot of threes, but he wound up playing in the SEC last season, so going back to the Ryzen lake, going to be a little bit of easy streak for him. Tim Finke is someone I like as well. Shoots right around 33% from three, nine points, five rebounds per game. That was actually a little bit of a fall-off from what he wound up having two seasons ago, where he had 10 points, seven boards, shot 41% from three-point range. That's a nice little bit of a combo player. I do think that you've got some potential here with Wright State. Losing the top two scores, that is going to be a little bit of an issue, though, and that's why I've got say Number three in terms of my projector or finish. And number two, we go with the Penguins. We go with Youngstown State. Jared Calhoun has really been able to build something with this program. Now, you wind up losing Tevian Vian along with Michael Acucci. These guys were able to average about 25.5 points per game. Acucci led the way with 7.8 rebounds per game. But Dwayne Coil, the team's leader in assists last year, with right around 2.5 assists per game, 15 points per contest, he is back. A very capable three-point shooter. Made 41% of his threes, over 83% of his free threes. You know what I'm Young South State did the little things well. They shot as collective 76% of the free throw line. that was in the top 35 in all of college basketball. They were a relatively solid offensive rebounding team as well. They do a okay job of being able to generate steals. That's something that they need to work on a little bit more. You did have Coil be able to give you a steal per game. Tyveon on Olsen was one of your top guys, but getting back here at Covington, that is massive as well. Limited to just three games last year due to injury, so this is pretty much your number six for him, and last time he was fully healthy. 12.5 points, 4.5 boards, 1.5 assists per game, shot right around 34.5-ish percent from three-point range. For Young Sound State, a good ball hawk that should be able to help them out. And for Young Sound State, I mean, you just take a look at the reinforcements that come in. Adrian Nelson, he is now off of Northern Kentucky, and if you wind up taking Adrian Nelson, you put him back on Northern Kentucky. Young Sound State and Northern Kentucky, they likely swap spots with regards to my projector or finish. Nelson coming off of averaging 7.7 and a half rebounds per game last season after he had 10 boards per game two seasons ago. Bryce McBride, he comes in from Eastern Michigan. He he was able to log right in the neighborhood about 11.5 points and a steal per game last season. Three-point shooting needs a little bit of work, but you get in Malik Green as well. Malik Green's numbers are a little bit of a medusa because a lot of his numbers were pushed down due to injury when he was fully healthy. First 10 games of the season out of conference. Average 16.5 points, 7.5 boards, 1.3 steals per game, shot 36% from three. Middle of the season was rough, was able to pick it up towards the back half of the season, and you got Brandon Rush. He winds coming in from Fairleigh Dickinson. There was nothing around him last season. A bad shot for him was better than a good shot for other guys. That's why he shot 30% from three two seasons ago. 14.3 points per contest, shot 42% from three. He should be able to bring that for Youngstown State. I've got Youngstown State number two in my projector or fish, and, and number one, we go with the Mastodons, of Fort Wayne IPFW. They do wind up losing a piece or two from last season, but Jared Godfrey is a good place to be able to start for this team. Now about 15.2 points per game. He was able to give the team four and a half boards, four assists per game. Now Rebounding, that is going to be something that is going to be a little bit of a sore spot for the team. As last season, that was really their main bugaboo. But Bobby Plantis is someone that is very versatile. He stands right around six foot eight. I do think that he's going to be able to improve on the fact that he only wound up having right around three and a half boards per game last season. But last season, shot 96.7% at the free throw line, 38% from three point range. As a little bit of a six foot eight joker player, so I like what he's able to bring to the table. Damian Chung-Q was able to leave Mount Saint Marys to the NCAA tournament two seasons ago. He comes back after he wound up averaging right around 10 points, 3.5 assists per game, and really played some of his best basketball down the stretch, shooting 41% for three in the final 18 games of the season. Ari Capati was able to do a solid job down low for the team as well. He was able to pull in a little bit over six rebounds per game, and then you've got Quentin Morton Robinson, who wound up redshirting last season after he averaged 7.5 points at a seal per game on 38% three-point shooting at Radford. He comes in and won the more underrated transfers in all of college basketball. D2 stud Anthony Roberts comes in from St. Cloud State. Not a guy that's going to really gun it from three-point range, but average 21 points, 8.5 boards, 1.4 steals per game. That is going to be big for a team that they've got darn near everything aside from one or two pieces like Jalen Pipkins coming back from last season. I think that this is going to be a very formidable Fort Wayne team. They were able to earn a share of the regular season conference crown. Last season one of the best three-point shooting teams in all of college basketball last two seasons. I think that now that their defense has been able to kick it into high gear, and I think that their rebound is going to be a little bit better this season, they are going to be able to win the conference. I've got the Mastodons, number one in my projector of finish, and that'll wrap things up. For the Horizon League Conference Preview Edition of Coast to Coast Hoops, I'm part of the Bees Family of Podcasts. A big thanks to Blake Lovell for breaking down these teams with me in the second segment. If you do, like for hearing from this fine podcast, Coast to Coast Hoops, you're up to subscribe wherever you podcast. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Twitter and tune in. If you've got a question, comment, segment idea, whatever have you for this podcast? You do have one of two ways we we'll offer fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at junet underscore d one. Keep in mind, letters Maybe you know, me does not matter. So as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. The other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire and whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. via that five star review coming at you guys every single day on this podcast. When it comes to the off season news and notes of college basketball, and conference previews, and then in season picks and analysis on every single game, every single day. Which means I'll chat at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in
0: infinity presents a new chapter in luxury